back to another episode of Miskatonic Alumni Association. We are your alumni here. I'm Bill, and as always, my good, good friend, stranded thousands of miles away from home, Terry. How are you doing? Well, Bill, of all times to be stranded today is probably the perfect one. It's Heritage Day in South Africa, um, but South Africans call that a National Bride Day or barbecue, as some people might know. So all the houses around here have got like tons of meat and brides ready and everybody's just relaxing and enjoying. So hopefully a bit of that enthusiasm and camaraderie can <laughs> be spread to yourself and our viewers today. How about yourself? Uh, it was a horrible rainy day today, just out of the blue, just a torrential downpour, and fortunately, I got soaked on the way home. Well, you know, between that and exploding volcanoes, um, like uh, you have a rather adventurous <laughs> lifestyle, I think more in, more in fitting or more suitable to our channel, I think, than what I'm currently doing. So that's the best, I suppose. There, there is a lot of danger coming down from the sky and ruining my day constantly where i live so yeah but nothing cosmic yet yet it'd be an operative word yet uh so what yet. do we have in store today then um i suppose uh next episode of lovecraft country right this is it yeah we're we're just going to keep plugging away at this um this was quite an episode i know the last two episodes we were feeling really bummed out by the direction that the story was going or just even the direction the series was going and i wasn't really especially the last episode i wasn't really digging it and i think you felt the same way i haven't spoken to you yet about your feelings on this episode but it certainly shook things up it took it in a new direction it was fresh it was new and i was interested the whole time it had my attention yeah, I'm very much the same. Like, as the only thing I've actually told you before uh, we started recording this was like uh, the previous episode. I only had like three sentences I'd written down, and I was like really disappointed in last week's plot to a degree and the character development or lack thereof. And after this one, I was just writing my pencil down to a stub, three and a third pages of notes written down, and like. I don't know about yourself, but for me personally, this was an episode like really just dragged me back in and got got a lot more interest from my side. Um, so Definitely, yep. I, I, I know like strictly speaking, we don't really have a theme, um, but for me, probably the one big thing in this episode that ties into the series as a, as a whole is the theme of being different, whether that's um Atticus yeah. that's uh having and Letty having to deal with being black like in a time where that was um really looked down upon uh in this episode we're um seeing well what we imagined was Tick's girlfriend from his time in uh Korea and we're seeing how she's having to deal with being different but I think when it comes to being different, I'm going to let you explain for our loyal viewers exactly how and why this all comes into yeah. play. Okay, well, first I want to explain to our viewers, in case they haven't uh, seen previous episodes here, uh, Terry himself is very different. Uh, starting from the last episode, he, he has gained a new ability to shapeshift and shrink upon command. And uh, it's happening again in this episode so 
I, I'm doing, as you said, I'm doing live <laughs> adjustments here, fixing it. The, the problem is, and we should explain, oh, look, there you go again, the incredible shrinking there. Uh, we, we, should, we should explain to, to anyone watching this what, what it's about is, uh, is the fact that, like we've said before, you're, you're stuck very, very far from home. Uh, you're not on the best setup that that you're hoping for and it's a bandwidth issue i believe could be yeah so yeah so when the bandwidth on on whether it's our connection or his side fluctuates uh then i i think the um the video host tries to compensate to keep the quality the same and it does that by shrinking terry into minuscule size so he can fight ant-man but no, uh, just to get back onto the plot, yeah, the the whole being different in this episode um, compared to what we saw as different up until now, we see, like you said, we have Tick, who clearly Tick and just the main cast, they're different simply by the race. That's sort of the core element of the series. But then you also have other layers of that. You have Christina and... Uh, now you're giant on the screen. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. If only there was a pattern to this that we could like yeah, sort of tell there's people there's no a one. secret message hidden in yeah, the movements yeah, that I, I make. There, there is a secret code in every episode, but the incredible shrinking and growing Terrence is not one of it. But anyhow, as I was saying, Christina, she's different because even though she's really in this um, brotherhood of Adam, is that... Is that the name of it? I always get it wrong. Uh, she's a girl, and this isn't a world for girls, the, this cult that they're in. Then you have Ruby on Extra Layers. She's different for being black, but then she gets these this magical potion, and now she can use that to change, just um, morph into a white woman's body. And... When she's in that body, like we said in the previous episode, now she starts discriminating against other people. So she starts using her new difference to treat others who are black as if they are different and less. And this episode then kicks it up to a new level where the person who is different, uh, the the main character, uh, her name is Gia. Is mm-hmm. that right? I think so. so yeah. This this person is, I would say, the most different thus far, as she is basically a monster inhabiting a human's body. And I think from the dialogue that we get through the episode, she's not supposed to have human feelings or human emotions, but yet she is having it. So she's different in the sense that she's not human, she's a monster. And then there's one more layer on top of that where this monster is now having these human emotions that should not be there. So it's all about accepting these differences and trying to learn to live with who you are and reject how people think you're supposed to be seen or think what you're supposed to be and taking... I don't know if it's the right word, but taking control or command of your own destiny might be might be a 
key element of this here, and we've seen it in other episodes too. So I, I think that's what it's going for, and I was just... I, I was hooked this whole episode. I, I mean, I think this was the breath of fresh air that Lovecraft Country needed after two really lackluster, sluggish episodes. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, I, I almost felt like the last two or so episodes were the, the main character of Atticus had almost sort of being tossed to the side like we didn't see any development from him other than he'd become this like really angry guy lashing out at his father and those around him and we don't really have much background on him we've had like sort of the idea like okay he was in the korean war and he's been affected by that and we had him speaking to this uh, woman from korea on the phone like once or twice and that was our sort of little twist at the end of last week's episode where Mm -hmm. He found that word die and he phoned and said, how did you know? Um, And like finally this week, like a lot of that backstory of his is given more flesh and it's like told to us like, uh, well, it's told to us how he met this woman and what and how they ended their relationship, so to say. Um, But I do feel strange enough. I feel like uh, Gia has way more depth to her. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. than a lot of the other characters I've met in the series. And I'm really hoping I that, agree. that she's just not going to be some sort of background-motivating force in the, the upcoming episodes. Like, I want to see more yeah. of her. Like, I, I really hope they can somehow integrate her into the story. I'm not sure how they do that, but I hope they, they do. Um, one one question I have for you, Bill. I know um, th- there's mention that they go to a, a shaman right her mother goes to a shaman um like after it it would appear that uh well okay to give more backstory i suppose like she was born out of wedlock right which Mm -hmm. which gave a lot of shame to their family and then her mother remarried and this uh this guy abused like um gia as a kid as a as a girl yeah and this is when the mother approached this shaman um, to ask for help, and then um, she was given this help for a price, and the price being that her daughter was, I wouldn't say, would you say changed or transformed? or I, I don't even know if it would be changed. I, I think it's almost swapping her out because I don't think... I don't think they're inhabiting the same body. Mm. I think this this fox spirit, the... What, what was it called? The... Is it the Kumiho? Yeah. Is that right? I wrote down somewhere. Uh, This Kumiho takes over the body possibly to protect the daughter, I'm wondering, so the daughter doesn't suffer this abuse. But the only way to get the daughter back is the Kumiho has to devour 100 souls. And I don't think that they are both coexisting inside the the body because the mother the mother says that that the mother believes that the daughter's in there but then Jia says um when she's singing the songs like that's not the daughter's memories and that's like that's not what happened so i think they're two different mm. entities i i don't know i i hope we find out more but no i want to say i, I agree Hundred percent with you. I, I feel in this one episode, we got more depth, 
more backstory and more sympathetic character development for Gia than we have with most of the main cast over the past five episodes. Yeah, I think probably the key word there for me is like a more sympathetic character, right? Um, and the same point in this episode, we could do... The, the the story focuses a lot on her. Like the previous ones, like you get a brief glimpse of Atticus's character, and then immediately they they show something else. Like they never really dwell on the the characters long enough to build them up um, to mm. anything that resembles a character you can have empathy for. Um, like the, the the thing that showed this a lot to me was in the previous episode where uh, Atticus becomes like almost violent. Or, you know, first to his father, and then to a degree that Letty gets scared of him. Like, mm-hmm. he was just a character I didn't like. Atticus. Yeah. Like, I, I just had, like, I don't care if he, he completes this little quest of his. Like, I really have no empathy for him. But in the meantime, in this episode, like, we've got a lot of time to sort of build up the character of Gia from the start, where we're not really, we don't really know her background as this nine-tailed fox, you know. I mean, that comes mm-hmm. out as, like, a pretty... HBO style shock there where she's like sleeping with this guy and all of a sudden he's eviscerated by the, um, well, I suppose like, let's leave it better to the imagination of the viewers. Um, yeah. But I know for me, the, the one thing that I was really glad to see was I've always, my little hobby has been spotting the Count of Monte Cristo in each episode. And like, we haven't really <laughs> yeah, been, no. sh- we haven't really been shown like, why is this book so important? And this one, he's so, mm-hmm. Um, he sort of tells Gia that this um, book was one that his father um, really liked, I think, right? Mm. And, yeah, but say it was his father's favorite, yeah. Yeah, and it deals with oppression, like unfair oppression, which very much mm. can deal into his background as a person of color. And then how they get revenge on the, uh, mm. against the people who have unfairly oppressed them. Um, at the same point, this then ties in with the fact that her mother called on this kumiho, this uh, nine-tailed fox spirit. And, like, the kumiho is a spirit then that gets revenge on men who have wronged women. So it's almost like we've got, like, uh, Atticus that's looking at sort of uh, coming to it from racial oppression. And then we've got uh, Gia and um, that who comes from it almost from, like, the oppression of women. So, like, yeah. there's almost this, like, really neat little way of intertwining their stories together, not just in the episode, but in the overarching thing. Um, and I just wish we could see more of this. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I just want to add one more about the oppression and not fitting in. There's also a really good scene with after the U.S. military comes to Korea for the war there's a good scene with Atticus and a Korean-American soldier and the conversation they have there about the soldier himself. When he's in America, he's discriminated against because he's Asian and he's called horrible names and like all the full deal racism. He doesn't belong there. But now when he's in Korea, technically where his ancestors came from or that, he also doesn't fit in because he's not there. So the locals uh, just call him a foreigner. They they call him like just a filthy foreigner. So no matter where he is in the world, he cannot fit in. And he's now fighting for a country who discriminates against him and is racist against him. And not by his own choice, he's drafted into it. So there's all these little details 
threw out there of oppression and being forced to do things that you don't want to do and forced to be something you don't want to be. But yeah, that Count of Monte Cristo has just been peppered through almost every episode. And like you said at the beginning, there has to be something to it. There has to be a reason why they're putting it there. And I think it's starting to become more clear that it's really telling the overarching tale of what this story is. And I think if we knew the story better, we might be able to foresee where this is going. But um, yeah, I think it's becoming a lot more clear. Um, the one thing that I'd also like to sort of mention is not only is it this theme of oppression that ties the two characters together, but it's also their relationships with their fathers in a way. Like both have got abusive fathers, right? Like Gia, Gia's father, I mean, we, we don't really see him at all. Like uh, obviously he's dead by this time. Um, yeah. and Tick's father, we've we've seen some flashes of like he doubt, but I think like that was there was a really nice way of having the sort of parallelism between the two characters and their development as well. Um, and tying back into my earlier comment about like the fact the previous episodes, I didn't really have empathy for Atticus's character. Like this, this one was far better done, where you see how violent he is at the start, but when. Gia like meets up with him again in the hospital when, when he's injured and we see how he's been affected by it and like how mm-hmm. strong an effect that's been and how it's changed him like that, that I felt was really nice like I, I'm glad they mm-hmm. they managed to to do that for his character because it, it seems like at times for me it seems like the writers themselves aren't sure like how they want to treat his character like yeah yeah exactly right like I'm not, I'm not too sure if they're going to be able to keep up this pace but it's certainly refreshing after the last few weeks. And I'm wondering if they're doing that where you see, just like her, he starts very innocent. He's a simple, scrawny, weak child who wants to escape into the realms of imagination. But he's abused, he's picked on, he's he's beaten. He goes into military to get away from his father, to become stronger, and then he's pretty much abused there too where he's forced to do horrible things that you see when she reads his memories and what what they all do to her um to Gio's friend who was a spy for the communist you get a little brief glimpse of that when she reads his memories but i think having her in his life at least for that brief moment, was starting to pull him out, starting to let him reflect on what was important again, what he really loved doing. And, you know, it circles around the book, then Count of Monte Cristo, especially, and about fantasy stories, which also I want to bring up one other point, which, or just one other detail, I should say, which also leads into a detail... I forgot to mention in the last episode or I forgot to ask you in the last episode, but it's all part of the same thing here. Uh, while I was looking for pictures for this episode to try to get a good shot of Gia to put on the screen for the YouTube video, I was looking and it occurred to me when some images were popping out like, oh my God, is that her? 
I think, and I haven't gone back to watch it, but from what I saw in the images when I was doing the search, that Gia was the red girl in the very first episode in the dream sequence when Cthulhu appears. Mm. There's that red alien girl that comes out of the sky down, and it looked like her in the in the images when I was searching. So I thought that was a strange callback, if that's true, that Gia is in is this alien character in his dream and his fantasy where all these cosmic horrors are appearing in this horrible war zone. Uh, but the point that I forgot to say last week uh, is also about kind of reusing an image, reusing a character. Ruby, now she becomes this white woman that she calls Hillary, right? And the first time when the episode started and I was watching, you don't know who it is exactly. You just see the woman. I swear the actress is the same actress who was in the second episode. The one in the little small town by the Braithwaite mansion with the dogs. That she was the one guarding the place where uh, Montrose was being held captive. I... I swear it was the same actress. So when the episode started, I'm like, oh, it's bringing her back into the story. But uh, clearly that wasn't the case. It was just metamorphosis. So that also leads me to wonder, is that woman we saw in episode two somebody else who is shape-shifting into a different body? Like that's the standard issue white woman potion for for the metamorphosis but that's one point i forgot to ask you did you notice that i i can't say i have i mean i know it's a jj abrams show there's going to be a lot of these sort of brief i wouldn't call them easter eggs but like these uh, callbacks to uh brief flashes before so i think it's definitely worth a rewatch um not every single yeah. episode but it'd definitely be something i'm no. keen on seeing i can't say for myself that i noticed anything but i wasn't really looking at the same time Okay, but what what do you think about the fact that Gia might be this red alien woman in his dream? I would think that's totally plausible, simply by the fact that, I mean, she's this woman that has had such an impact on uh, Atticus at that point in his life. So I can definitely see him reusing her character, if you want, in this sort of daydream of his. So yeah, I think that's more than viable. And I, I don't know if it's if you want to bring up any other point right now or if it's okay to skip towards the end of what happened in the episode. But there's there's just one more there's one small point that that probably the only point I didn't really like about this episode. Uh, the one thing that kind of took me out of it, not in a sense story wise, but just again my complaint with the pacing and seeming seemingly lacking direction for for the series is it okay to jump to that or do you want to talk a little bit more about the stuff before the end i, th- I think we've probably covered like the main points so yeah i mean i'm more than happy to talk about that okay the the only thing as you said before this woman uh gia as the kumiho uh, the fox spirit inside her she has to devour a hundred souls or hundred men's souls i think 
in order to get back and she does it through hbo scenes basically so we all know what that means and it's very gory it's very violent and very uh impelling but she's in love with atticus she's in love with atticus and she doesn't want to kill him and that's why she resists it at first and then she thinks that they could actually make love together but while it's happening just probably against her control those fox tails or tendrils whatever they might be start coming out and violating atticus and this is how she gets to see in the future but now the thing the thing for me is this happened to atticus in korea you would think you would imagine that this would have a much larger impact on how he views the world and he wouldn't just be casually reading a book on the bus maybe just a few weeks later and just rolling around not not thinking like yeah a cat or not a cat but a mystical fox spirit tried to rip me apart during sex he's really taking it in stride for for someone and then seeing all this other magic and all this other these other monster things it's hard to believe that he was surprised by any of it since his girlfriend was clearly a mutant evil cosmic fox well, I, I think this is where the Lovecraft connection comes in. Surely by reading Lovecraft, all these things seem like matter of fact to him. Like, I've never <laughs> yeah. been killed by fox tendrils. Yeah, whatever. Oh, there's these like <laughs> proto-Shoggoth type creatures chasing us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just another day. I mean, I, I can actually, I agree with you in that way, Bo. I do think like you would th- have expected this to have a more profound impact on him, right? In, in terms of his character. Yeah. but. Yeah, he's just having a daydream in the bus the first time we see him. He seems to be rather shocked when he sees these other proto-shoggoths in the first few episodes. Um, But, you know, it's like you would think the one sort of life-defining thing (laughs) is this meeting with this woman and nearly being killed by her in like a most unusual way. And yet it doesn't seem to have actually affected him at all. Like he hasn't even mentioned it either. So... Not only that, but keep in mind, that was also his first time having sex, too. So, I mean, that's a double whammy. I mean, you would think that that would stand out in his memory there, not just like, oh, you remember that one girl that was actually a fox monster and she tried to rip me apart while I was having sex with her? No, that was the first time he was ever going to give himself to a woman that he wanted to. He said he was a virgin and it turned out to be a fox spirit. And so, so sorry to interrupt yeah. there but um speaking of that point of the story then um what did you think of that sort of uh laws the scene where she could like see into the future um through him like i i, I yeah. don't think i followed along like i've only seen it the once and i could only really see at the mm-hmm. end where he was like sort of manacled or tied up and like yeah i'm supposing was restrained with something yeah yeah um uh, they, they really didn't give a lot to go on. I mean, he's he's restrained in something. He's in agony. He's screaming. But it's just in a black space. You don't really catch glimpses of much else that makes sense to us now. Uh, I wish that anything they wanted to hint at, I wish it was 
a little more clear in the episodes beforehand, but I get the feeling it's going to become clear after this. And if it's clear after this, it's not really a big shocking thing. And that, again, goes back to my complaint about the pacing and, and the direction where you don't get enough time to really let it soak in what's happening before they pull the big surprise on you. Like Christina is William. Like you don't get a moment to even try to accept the fact that, okay, William isn't William. William is someone else. And then they just ruin it right there. Like, bah, it's Christina. Bah, bah, bah. And there's no real, there's no real time to, to let your mind wander before they give you a very unsatisfying answer. So I'm thinking what's happening here is they show you little glimpses that mean nothing right now. And then by the time it means something, you already know the answer anyhow. So you can't really start piecing it together or start speculating really. It's just, oh, something bad is going to happen and we really have no context for it yet. I know for me, like as much as I enjoyed the episode, like if I'm looking at it in terms of the, the story as a whole, uh, we were left with that thing from last week where he's, he's like so shocked and both of us were surprised. Like, why is he shocked that you would know the word die? Like, <laughs> it, it could be about anything. It could be talking about like, um, you know, somebody rolling a, a die for all we know. <laughs> yeah. um, but, and this one doesn't really give us much else other than saying like, yeah, she can see that he will die. Like, we don't know by who, we don't know why. No, nothing. It doesn't really give us any more info on that. It just gives us a lot more backstory. Um, mm. But but at the same point, I feel like as much as I enjoyed this, it hasn't really added to the overall arc or plot of the um, show. Uh, and they've only got... This was now episode six, right? So they've only got yep. four more episodes left to somehow wrap four this up. Yeah. And I, I can't say I'm holding out hopes that they're actually going to wrap mm. this up in a nice little bow um, and have a wonderful story to tell the end of it. But yeah, at least no matter what happens, this has been a, a really good episode, I think. Um, and I, I suppose like the one thing that I'd sort of like to end off with from my side at least is I, I think probably the best line for me was right at the end where she and her mother go back to the same shaman. You know, and this mother mm. sort of, the two of them have sort of mended their relationship, so to say, even though she, strictly speaking, isn't the daughter. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the shaman then still says to, you will see countless deaths before your journey is done. And mm. that's like really intriguing because, I mean, she just really needs one soul before she will, you know, revert back to her pre-Kumiho state. So I'm trying to like figure mm. out like what, what are these many deaths? Like is she talking about in the yeah. same sort of um, existence as Jia or is it like throughout her lifespan as the Kumiho um, and whose deaths? Like, you know, okay, it's J.J. Abrams, I suppose. Like he's going to leave a lot of this up there. We might never see it, but still I thought that was a really cool way of uh, ending off this week. Yeah, that was that was a really intriguing way of like really getting you interested. Like, in what sense? Like, whose deaths? Mm. Where's how long? Just like you put it, I think that that works a lot more than her vision of Tick's supposed death or his future. Where that what what she said what uh, I think a Mudang 
what I don't know the the word for that shaman, but uh, I wrote it down. But I'm writing it from the subtitles. But that was ominous. That was creepy. That makes you think, oh, something big might be coming up here. The mm. tick scene, not so much. And I think it was expecting us to f- feel a lot more closer connected to Tick's character. But I don't think the story has provided that for us yet. So it didn't resonate as much as this very vague threat from a woman we had never seen before. So I, I think that's the difference between those two. I know we're, we're still like, there's a lot of things that are just sort of like, how would you say, a lot of balls being juggled in the air at the moment. Like we still have that orrery, the golden orrery with yep. the two sons that might be some sort of time machine. I still have no idea like um, Uncle George's wife, like Hippolyta, like they drove there. They came back, <laughs> I'm assuming. I'm not too sure. Like Three um, episodes and still haven't seen <laughs> what's going on. With yeah. Them. And um you know, there's still that, like, sort of guy with no tongue hanging in the sheriff's office from last week. There's, like, just a, a lot of little things that, I don't know, I feel like if they're not essential to the plot, maybe just, like, skip over them. And if they are yeah. essential to the plot, spend more time, like, getting us, like, interested in why exactly. Um, yeah. Because... You know, like every with every episode, we're sort of just dragging it out. I feel like they could have just wrapped up a lot of this stuff much quicker. Like, um, maybe I'll feel different at the end of the tenth episode. Maybe they'll have like a really outstanding thing, or maybe we'll have similar to Lost, where they might just come in with an episode that's going to be so uh, polarizing that a lot of people yeah. are just going to be turned off. So, yes, I'm hoping they can stick the the landing for the rest of the um, series. Definitely, time will tell, right? Very much so. Uh- I would say just just the one thing from this episode for me is this episode made me feel like this series would be much better as an anthology of separate stories because I like seeing this separate tale. I like seeing that. And I think it became weaker once it was connected to Tick. I think on its own, I was really hooked. And then now that you know it's a big part of the main story, I... I'm worried about where it goes, but I'll just leave it at that. We have four episodes to go. Uh, there's not really much else to say here. I don't want to end this off on negative note because I really love this episode. I love the performances. Uh, I, I just thought it was a great addition to pull me back in. Yeah, um, so I, I suppose that also wraps it up for me. Um, in terms of follow-up, I know we were we were originally planning to do some sort of uh, stream or video last week for um, Call of Cthulhu: Shadow of the Comet. So technical mm-hmm. difficulties have been playing up on the side, yeah. but um, hopefully sometime this weekend we will have some video up. I'm just waiting on some equipment to arrive, and um, mm. thankfully a game from 1993 should be well within my <laughs> means to play and stream yeah but in just in case it's a bit rough the first few streams um i ask for everybody's uh, patience with that but uh hopefully uh we'll, we'll try and leave the the link for the the twitch channel in the the video and uh the podcast notes as well just so it, um, if anybody does want to check that out or follow along they're more than likely to i know in the future we're hoping to invest a lot more time in terms of uh twitch as well right Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Not just video games, but board games as well. Um, Role-playing games. Um, We'll try to utilize all we can, but 
still we're not set up, so please bear with us for our technical difficulties. We're just doing this for fun, just to pass the time with fellow fans. Yeah, and um, if anybody wants to leave feedback, feel free. If you're watching this on YouTube, jump in the comment section. If you listen to the podcast, do a voice note. Um, if anyone's got ideas for future episodes as well, because I know we're currently focusing on Lovecraft Country, but we do have a lot of other stuff we're going to be sort of peppering in as time goes by. But if anybody does have something they'd like that's connected to the mythos or Lovecraft or the genre as such, not just specifically his works, like we're more than open to um, doing viewer requests, if I can put it that way. Exactly. Yeah, please don't be shy. I'm that's why we're here. We want to talk to people. We want to interact. So tell us what you want to see. Tell us what you want to talk about. And let's let's talk about it. Let's make a community, right? Mm, perfect. So I know from my side, thanks a lot, Bo. I, I hope to uh, do one of these again soon, next week. We, yeah. We've been keeping up a nice schedule. So uh, thanks as always. I know so you're far, all, so good, yeah. You're all our video editor of Much Note, like doing it yeah. live. This would actually be well to stream this event. So... Uh, who knows? Um, but My thanks. Editing's not even ready yet. But yeah, so yeah, everything just falling apart here. But we'll be ready eventually. Give us time. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to seeing everyone and yourself next uh, next week, same time, same place. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks as always, Terry, and thanks for everyone who took the time to watch. Thank you very much. <laughs>